Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 814. But what I thought was interesting is how many people have a vision for what you should be doing versus what you think you should be doing. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, David Helmer. Hey, David, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready and I can't wait. All right, we'll have some fun. David Helmer is a Hall of Fame auctioneer and the president of Braun and Helmer Auction Services out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Since 1971, he and his team have helped clients sell their estates, antiques, farms, real estate, motorcycles, trucks, and automobiles. David conducts over 100 auctions yearly, working with individual clients and many nonprofit groups, including the Detroit Tigers, the Detroit Lions, and Mott's Children's Hospital. David also owns the Super Auction and the website theauctioneerchannel.com. He's the past president of the Michigan State Auctioneers Association and earned state champion auctioneer back in 2006, and in 2008, he was the ringman champion. And in 2014, he was inducted into the MSA Auction Hall of Fame. Very cool. Well, David, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your business and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Sure. Well, I'm a second-generation auctioneer. This is my 21st year of auctioneering. I'm still thrilled every day to be an auctioneer. And every time the phone rings, I'm just happy someone called. And I love the challenges that come along with all the auctions. Um, I was blessed to be raised in an area where it feels like just about everybody worked for the big three. Uh, we had a big Ford plant in our uh, hometown of Saline, Michigan. Right down the road from me is a Toyota Proving Grounds. I live probably a half hour from Michigan International Speedway, and I love NASCAR. And then we have a lot of local folks like Connie and Doug Coletta, and Jack Roush isn't too far from where I live. So a lot of the pioneers and their families and people that gearheads and the people that have done the blue collar and the people who have done the white collar work, I've been raised around folks like that my whole life. Yeah, you're in the heartland of America and surrounded by all sorts of cool car things. And we're going to learn a lot more about you as we continue on your journey. But first, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get those inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah, so David, take the wheel. All right. Well, it always takes a lot of thought to get, you know, maybe the right down to the pinnacle of what it is. And there's a Jack Roush quote that I read that he has hanging in his museum in Livonia. And it said, uh, they wouldn't get me out of the plant. They had a career planned out for me, which wasn't the one that I wanted. And that's a Jack Roush quote. And, you know, I just, uh, I thought, well, isn't that interesting? You know, some of the great pioneers left to what other people wanted to do for them. They would never be in the position that they are now. Yeah, you know, this is a really nice quote. Jack Roush, oh my gosh, yeah, icon in the automotive industry. So maybe explain to us a little bit how this quote has so much meaning for you. You come from an auctioneer family, so you're second generation auctioneer family. So it sounds like your course was kind of set, but that's a little different than Jack's quote. So how does this relate to you and what you're doing? Well, one of the funny things about our business is we actually have to fight to stay small. So we're a pretty, we like to say we're one of the biggest small auction companies in the Midwest. And 
it is, if you want to dream or you want to act on a vision, you know, you do have to be willing to do something different to make a change. And I've been inspired by that quote, but what I thought was interesting is how many people have a vision for what you should be doing versus what you think you should be doing. And being that I grew up sort of in the shadow of my father and and Lloyd Brown, they were very successful, very well known. So that was sort of part of it was making my own way within our business. But then, you know, I was, when I became an auctioneer, technology was brand new. Uh, There was a lot of things changing and there was a lot of bandwagon things that you could do. So to be able to actually do what you think you should do and have a vision for yourself, there's a lot of pressure to do something different. And so that's why I really related to that quote by Jack. I think you've said it really well. And it happens with a lot of families where, you know, maybe the parents want the kid to be a doctor, a lawyer, or head down some traditional, what we would call a traditional career path, which of course, there's nothing wrong with those. But maybe this person wants to do something unique and different. And definitely being an auctioneer is something pretty unique and different and kind of rare, I think. I've talked to a lot of people here at Carja over the last three years. You're my 814th guest. And for many, many, if not all of them, they chose their path in life. And that's what Carja is all about. So very nice quote. I like that one. And, and a new one here, which is really great too. Well, let's go back in time and talk about a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment when you look back on your life and you realize that you were indeed pretty much a car guy? Well, a couple things. Uh, First, my father, he was one of 10 kids. He was raised in Plymouth, Michigan, sort of poor but happy. And he, when he was young, he would always buy brand new vehicles and lease vehicles and have kind of the coolest sports cars. This is, of course, way before I was even a twinkle in his eye. (laughs) But as he got a little older and a little wiser, he became what I call a mutt, more of a user than a collector. But when I was raised, uh, we were raised on a small farm in Saline. Here's the cool thing. We had a VW Rabbit and a VW Jetta. We had three Ford F-150s, a Ford Ranger, the full size, you know, with the unrecycled sheet metal. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We had a Diamond Rio dump truck. We had family friends that every time their wife got done with a car, we would buy it. So one year she had, a, I think it was a Honda Civic. And then the next few years she bought a Toyota Camry, you know, and that was kind of a big deal. If you remember getting a Toyota sort of in Ford country. And so my dad, he had probably 10 vehicles at a time. Wow. He would occasionally buy a collectible car. My dad had a 1931 Model A mail truck that was restored. Oh, wow. And we would drive that in parades. So we always had vehicles. They weren't all great. And they weren't all collectible, but oh, we had a Chrysler Caravan. We had one of every car that was ever made, it seemed like. And um, recently, I bought my wife a uh, 2016 Mustang California Edition convertible. Nice. That's something that she had been wanting for a long time. Yeah. So we always laugh because we've had every car known to man. I guess so. My gosh, growing up on a farm surrounded by all those cars. Plus, being on a farm, you could take them for a little drive down the dirt road there and not worry about getting in trouble at a real young age. My son learned to drive a VW Beetle on a farm when he was eight years old. We had to put pillows behind him and prop him up in the seat so he could reach the pedals and push in the clutch. Yeah, nothing like growing up on a farm with a bunch of cool cars to drive. Well, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way. Kind of take us to that point in time, walk us through that story, but more importantly, how did you overcome that situation and what did it teach you? Well, I've had a lot of challenges in my life. Uh, Mostly, they've turned out for the positive. But I did want to kind of, this sort of goes back to maybe what other people want you to do or or maybe overcoming some false perceptions. And that is, 
our auction company, we, we always had to laugh. When I came in in 1996, we were a little bit too farm for the antique and the city people. And we were a little too city for the farm people, we, meaning our identity was not well-defined. We would just auction whatever came our way. If it was a Chinese restaurant that went out of business, fine. If it was a municipality that had equipment, that's what we did the next day. And one of the things that was a huge challenge, it's twofold. One is to be intentionally hired, which is a lot easier said than done. We would have estates all the time. Someone would either pass away or move, and they would have an old sports car. Somebody bought a car once in an Etzel. They bought it when they got out of the army, drove it home. Uh, the wife didn't like the car, so they parked it in the uh, barn for years and years. The cows licked the paint off the car. Oh, my gosh. And here we had this rust color Etzel, and uh, they thought it'd bring a couple thousand dollars at auction. And ended up bringing $10,000 because they had such low miles. And so people would hire us. We would exceed their expectation, but they didn't hire us to sell a rare car or a classic car. So to get people to call us and say, I am going to hire Brown Helmer Auction Service because I have these cars or these collector cars was a really cool thing. And as that started to happen, here's the second part. I didn't have the confidence that I could do as good or better job than maybe some of the large companies. You know, everybody knows the big names of the companies. I grew up knowing the Cruz family from Cruz International, and everybody knows Barrett Jackson and all those big names. Right. So here we are, a little company out in the middle of nowhere, but we're in a place where people have cars. I mean, you can't believe how many times I've heard someone say, you will not believe what my dad has in the barn. <laughs> I always say, like, uh, two Corvettes, and about one out of ten times. <laughs> That's they, what it yeah, is. Yeah, two Corvettes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people have really cool things. And around our area, between Henry Ford, Harry Ferguson, I mean, we, we sold a farm once where every tractor was a research tractor from Harry Ferguson, and they all had like neat parts on it that didn't exist in production. Wow. So you never know what would pop out. Yeah. So what I had to do was I had to get the experience. I had to get the confidence. We, had, we had, were recently hired to handle a classic car auction last year where the family that inherited thought it was a mess felt like it was too much work, and someone had offered $60,000 for this menagerie. It was a horde of cars. Mm -hmm. It didn't look good. There was no clarity on what was there. I show up, look at the collection, say, this is a pretty good collection, uh, but I don't really climb. I mean, it looked like a rat's nest. Yeah. Well, guess what? There was a 1938 Cadillac in there, a V16. Ooh. Hadn't ran since the 60s. We had gathered around all the parts, took forever, and we sold that car. And the car, I mean, it looked like a wreck. About $55,000. Yeah, wow. Um, that was one of the cars. We sold over 250000 of just vehicles out of that auction. Well, someone hired me because they had the confidence that my company could sell those cars and bring it to market. Yeah. And that is the biggest obstacle I had to overcome that we could have a place in this market. Yeah, well, kudos to you for defining that. This is a common thing, I think, among many people and entrepreneurs who have businesses is really being able to define who they are and build their company into what that definition is. And it's harder than you think. And you just walked us through a very great example of how you did that. And I think a word you used there that really stood out for me was confidence. And that is having the confidence in yourself that you defined who you are and that's what you are going to be and that's what you've become. So you figured out the secrets sauce there, David. <laughs> awesome job. Awesome job. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's a time when those headlights come on and you kind of figure out your way. So tell us about one of those prominent aha moments for you. 
Okay. It's a real easy one, but it's, it's again, easier said than done. And that is uh, be a friend to people. One of the things that I found out is everybody knows a professional. Everybody <laughs> knows someone who can sell a car, fix a car, list a car, haul it to some big auction company. Mm-hmm. And when people call me, they need help. They may need help in life. Their car may not have ran in five years or 10 years. And they don't really need me to show up as a car expert. That's what I thought they needed me for. Right. But they really didn't. They needed me to understand the situation that they're going through. Because keep in mind, I come from a, a little different perspective. Not everything I deal with is a good situation. Sometimes it's a bad situation, financially or otherwise. And so they need somebody to take all the puzzle pieces and put it together. And what they need is somebody to grab them by the hand, walk them through what's going to happen. I have had so many cars, and now I'd like to, I, I, there's a lot of cars I could tell you about where we've absolutely hit it out of the ballpark, hit a home run. But one of, the, one of my jobs is when I say hold them by the hand, they have a car that they think is worth $25,000, but it's really an $8,000 car. I need them to hire me to have confidence in what I'm going to do, sell the car for much less than they really were expecting, but I need to walk them through the process of why that car is an $8,000 car and not a $25,000 car. So again, I just want to say being a good friend to people, not acting like this is the last auction or the last dollar I'm ever going to make, Right. <laughs> but learning that we're going to live to fight another day, take care of them the best I can and move on to the, the next thing. So it's kind of the golden rule. You know, it's a wonderful way and, and it's how you keep your business credibility and the ethics and morals alive because so many people, especially in the car market, yeah, there's lots of quote-unquote experts out there. Maybe they're not that great of an expert, but there's also those, I call them predators, who are just waiting to take advantage of somebody in a situation where they have a, a family estate they want to sell or a car they've owned a long time or a car they have to sell because they need to raise capital. Just in the last month, I've had two cars come across my telephone here. One is a, a 67 911S Porsche original owner car, pretty cool car, and then a 71 Cabriolet Mercedes-Benz, a 3.5. Now, those are two cars that have come up in value, and these are people that aren't really car people, and they're trying to figure out, how do I take this car to market and feel good about it? And I'm proud to say that I'm doing this just as a friend. I don't buy and sell cars. I don't do what you do. Having someone to trust that can kind of guide you to the right people is so important. And I'm really happy that you said that because a lot of people will come in and just go, well, I can buy it for this and sell for that and I'll flip it and make some money. But being someone's friend, that's a whole nother thing. Nice story. Nice story. Well, I'm sure operating your business the way you do has led to many proud moments. Is there one that really stands out that you could share? Yes. We had an auction that was kind of the culmination of all the things that I was trying to put together and all the things that I was trying to do. It was actually a collection. It's called the Don Taylor Collection. Now, this is it's a strange end, but I, it worked. And this is, again, why it's my proudest moment. We had a customer that attended our auctions for years, and they were kind of uh, known as one of the foremost marble collectors. They had collected marbles. Marbles. And they also hoarded motorcycles. Oh, my this gosh. Is not, there's another story about motorcycle hoarding we'll cover later. This was a couple of years ago. He also had a Bentley, an old one. He had all kinds of neat one of little uh, school buses and things that he was going to make into something else and never got time. But um, here's what happened. I get a call. He says, I'm not well. They've given me a few weeks to live. I said, a few weeks? This is a person I actually kind of know. He basically said, I used to think you were not qualified to do my auction, but I've seen you work over the years. 
and I want you to do my auction. And I'm going to tell you, there's some, there were some um, Indian motorcycles. I mean, it was a, it was a massive auction. Yeah. So we get into his uh, stash, and it just keeps getting better and better and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. I'd mentioned we're a big little company. Mm-hmm. We don't get a chance to set a lot of world records and things like that. Well, in that auction, we had set five world records for prices, mostly on motorcycles. Wow. Now, I wasn't aware of these. These weren't things that we were shooting for. These are things that, like, as things would get published, people would contact us and let us know that was a, like a world record in that category, that type of thing. So, again, all these things I've mentioned, we were hired to uh, work intentionally. We were hired to sell this amazing collection. Most of his bikes were basket cases. I mean, they weren't, these, weren't, these weren't beauties. Yeah. But to, to have the opportunity to sell classic cars, motorcycles, marbles, an entire amazing collection... We, here's, here's the coup de grace of the story. He had said, listen, if we don't get more than, you know, he said, the number was 250K, you know, then we didn't, we didn't do well. Well, the auction did over half a million dollars, well over half a million dollars. Wow. And um, he passed away one hour after our conversation of settlement. Oh, my gosh. We shook hands, and he said he was happy, and that this is what he cared about, and we took care of it. Yeah. And the idea that that happened. He held on several months, by the way, and died one hour after the settlement of the auction. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, it goes back to what you're saying of being an honest person, and here's a man at the end of his life that is probably somewhat unexpected, and he wanted to take care of his family by taking that burden off their plate, providing them with some monies after the fact. And the fact that you're able to do that for him and the the timing, oh my gosh, that must have been heart-wrenching to go through all that for him and then uh, have you lose him. So my condolences, because you mentioned you knew the gentleman beforehand, but uh, wow, what a story. Uh, We actually videotaped testimonials from his friends at the auction. And they actually left because it was, it was all day. It was a 10-hour auction. Wow. They actually left and went to the hospital and showed him all his friends, you know, saying hello and all that yeah. stuff. So what he felt like was that that was actually his goodbye. So that was yeah, nice. Yeah, some closure. Wow, what a story. Oh, my gosh. Got my throat a little closed up over that one. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Wow. Well, again, a wonderful tribute to how you can help people and get involved in their lives uh, through these kinds of auctions. So really, really cool. Well, let's have a little bit of fun here, a little lighthearted after that story, and go back in time and talk about your first really special car, the car that you got that you went, ah, man, I've always wanted this. What was that vehicle? Maybe share a memory about it. All right. Well, it's it's morphed over the years from, you know, the really cool stuff, Ferraris and, you know, all those great cars, too. Uh, my first car was an 83 Mercury Grand Marquis. Oh, wow. <laughs> and my father had received, he had sold some property, and he received that as the uh, earnest deposit mm. for the car. So it was like a brand new luxury car, which we never had a luxury car before. Mm-hmm. And as that kind of passed down to my dad, to my brother, to me, I would have received it probably in 1990. That car had the old um, R12 air conditioning. I mean, it was Arctic in there. It had leather <laughs> seats. You could see eight people easy on the bench seats. Yeah. And I um, made the mistake once of armoring the entire car on the inside. <laughs> Yeah. And there was like an ice rink in there. You could just slide all over. <laughs> yeah. But I had never had, uh, this may sound funny, but I mean, I was 16 years old. I had never had power at my feet before. Yeah. You know, if if we had anything that had power, you know, we weren't allowed to use it. Sure. And so I got this car. I just remembered it, a V8. You could touch the gas. And it would And that jump. would do a thing, would do a donut. I mean, just... <laughs> Unbelievable. So I don't think people think of that as a muscle car or as an amazing car, but for my family, that was luxury. And, and I was so, I thought I was really something 
my best friend had a Monza where the seats would turn around and had a little table. Oh my that gosh. Would pop out. Yeah. And in Michigan, we'd play Euchre a lot, but you could go out with your friends and you would just go out in the car and you would play cards and have dinner and do things. And then I also had a little group of friends that had all these Renaults. Oh and yeah. yeah. Could, you could get them for about $300 and they were indestructible. So a lot of my friends, we just, I had one friend that's dad bought him a brand new Mustang and everybody else had these cheap little cars that they kind of had to fix up and band-aid and do the best that they had. And those are really the cars that I have memories of and are most fond of. Ah, uh, what fun, what fun. Yeah, those cars with those big monster motors, you, you have to be a little careful. And if you're a young person with a heavy foot, you can get yourself into trouble. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, you've obviously sold a lot of things that belong to other people, but let's talk about a seller's remorse story of your own vehicle. Is there one car you've let go over the years that you really wish you'd kept? Well, I have, this is a tweener response. My wife's grandfather had a 62 Ford pickup truck, and at the time, it, it took a Herculean effort to get it, and it's in pretty bad shape. So what I did was, when I bought it, I put it in a friend's barn, and then another friend's barn, and then another friend's <laughs> barn. I don't know if you're familiar with the car carousel. Um, at the time, you know, we have vehicles. We have four vehicles. They park in our garages. My dad has his farm that's filled up with stuff. So I've had this vehicle, which my wife... I don't even remember no, if she knows I have it, and I want to restore it for her, oh. but it has been nothing but a pain in the butt, and every time I check in to get it redone, it, the price goes up. It was 10 and then 12 and it's going to be 15 yeah. and now it's going to yeah. be 20 mm-hmm. and so I have this car that is hidden out. That's part of the reason it's at friend's house is I don't want people to know I have it, yeah. and I'd like to show up one day, but no matter how much money I make, it seems like there's not enough to get this dang truck redone, so that is on the docket, and this may surprise you, but I do not, I'm a black hole. I do not sell a lot of the things. I have most of the stuff that I've ever had. Yeah. So I do not have seller's remorse. And I'm not, I'm 42, so maybe <laughs> this will happen soon. Well, it's a great story and uh, <laughs> I love it. And hopefully those uh, cows aren't licking all the paint off yeah. as that truck moves around from barn to barn. No, I understand. It's uh, it's like fantasy cars I've always wanted. Just when I think I've finally gotten the point I can buy it, then the price goes up. It's like, oh man, now I got to wait a, a while longer. And it, I just keep chasing it. It's never ending. So I think the lesson for both of us, David, do it now because it will be more expensive later. So just, <laughs> just do it now. Just just pull the string and, and get her done, as they say. So, oh, wonderful. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. Uh, let our listeners know a little bit about what you're working on now, what's coming up that has you really excited and fired up about your business. Okay. Well, I had mentioned to you that Don Taylor motorcycle and classic car collection that we'd sold. Well, somebody that attended that auction um, said, wow, this looks like my dad's stuff. And it has taken about three years to reel it in. We have just had a signed contract on a massive motorcycle, and there's there's some classic cars I would call a hoarder auction. And the cool thing is there's some really, really amazing things that the market hasn't seen. It was a heavy emphasis on Moto Guzzi Italian motorcycles. Mm. Uh, They were basically a Moto Guzzi dealer, one of two Mm -hmm. in the United States, and they shut the doors, I believe, in 1978 and, and still dealt in motorcycles and parts and certain things, but has this time capsule. Of, I mean, I, I have been there, and it's almost indescribable how exciting it is. Wow. I don't, I don't have all the details. Looks like we're going to do the auction in November okay. of this year, 2017. Cool. But when you know when you – everybody talks about kind of like the picker special where you open the door, you peek your head in, yeah. and the first thing you see is signs and parts – and bikes and complete bikes and helmets and new old stock and things in, in uh, shelves and, and showcases. That's what 
this looks like. So, oh wow, I'm trying to. I'm not super excitable. Well, that's not true. I'm actually <laughs> that's not true. I I just cannot wait to make it happen. Yeah. And it's it's a it's going to take a Herculean effort. Uh, but it will be in Ann Arbor at the uh, Washington Farm Council grounds in Ann Arbor. And there's a few bikes that have like two or three miles that were floor, you know, they were for sale on the floor. Uh-huh. And we closed the shop. He just locked the door. Oh wow! And that's it. Wow. Well, obviously, our listeners, you've you've got some listeners here at Cars, yeah, that love motorcycles, and they've got you got them salivating a little bit here. I can tell. I mean, <laughs> I'm excited to, to see what you have to offer. So, for those people that are interested in this coming up in the fall, where can they go to watch as this progresses, and then eventually the event where it takes place? Would it be your website? Yeah, it'd be my website, which is braunandhelmer.com. So okay. it's the German spelling of Brown, which is B-R-A-U-N, the word and spelled out, Andy, H-E-L-M-E-R dot com. Fantastic. Well, listeners, I'll make sure there'll be a link on David Shono's page here on the Cars yeah website. So yeah, for those motorcycle fans and oh, those old Italian bikes, love those old Italian bikes and the old Moto Guzzi's. Oh my gosh, this is going to be absolutely spectacular. Well, as we get closer to David, let me know and I'll share all of this on the Cars Yeah social links, uh, Twitter, Facebook, both both my Facebook pages and so forth so that everybody can see what's coming up and hopefully uh, we'll make a lot of people happy here and especially yeah, that'd be great. your clients. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, David. If you were a car or a motorcycle or a truck, what would you be and why? Well, I would, uh, I would love to tell you I was a Porsche, but I'm probably in a uh, Ford F-150. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, extended cab, big box, toolbox, you know, that kind of truck's reliable. Always going to start, always do your job. I'm a pretty, uh, what I do is pretty consistent, somewhat repetitive, but yet, you know, got a good look on the outside. We're going to have to have some, uh, some good rims, some steps, maybe a racing stripe or something to look cool, <laughs> but, um, de- yeah. def- definitely a work truck. There you go. I think that's a great answer. Thank you for that. Well, David, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom patterned for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, 
and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. All right, David, we are back and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Don't buy emotionally. (laughs) Know what you're buying. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that's great advice from an auctioneer, which most people (laughs) would say, no, buy with your emotion. Let's get everybody fired up. But yeah. Keep a level head, and when you go into an auction, set your limits and stay with them. Stay with them. Well, Ah. you know what's interesting about that? We don't want people to overpay. We don't want them to think they're buying something that they're not. Yeah. We want them to pay competitively based on reality, because if they pay too much, they get in a bidding war on something that they are wrong on, we're probably never going to have them back. Oh, no. They'll be be angry and mad and everything, and they'll tell all their friends about it. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Great way to approach things. Now, would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your successes over the years? Be someone who can finish the last 5% of the job. Mm. Most people can get get in, get excited. They can even work well, get to that 95%. But it's that last 5% that sets you apart and makes a difference in everything you do. That is so true. Now, there's some great resources out there, including your website, but is there maybe another one you'd like to share with the Cars Yeah audience? Yeah, there's um, an auction listing website called um, go2auction.com, and that's G-O-T-O, auction, A-U-C-T-I-O-N.com. They list auctions all over the United States. If you're looking for cars, it's a great place, meaning these aren't necessarily cars. These are what I call the pre-sort of Barrick-Jackson stage. They're not going to be, they're right out of the estates, right out of the barns, right out of the garages. Might need a little love, might need a little work, but it's it's a good place to find original vehicles. Right, and probably a little more affordable as well, yes. if they need some work. If you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? It would probably be Smokey Eunuch. Oh, cool. Uh, the great mechanic, and yeah. he was an unbelievable person. And um, he did more than it seems like you could do in 20 lifetimes. Oh, yeah. Boy, wouldn't that be an interesting... I think maybe I'd like to have dinner, not just a drink, but dinner with Smokey (laughs) Eunuch. That would be really, really cool. How about a book? Is there a book you've read recently you think that our listeners would enjoy reading as well? I'm going to tie those in with Smokey. Here's a few. Um, Smokey has a book that is based on his life and adventures, Mm -hmm. which is absolutely unbelievable. And another book that... um, uh, it's called Miracle, Bobby Elson and the Saga of the Alabama Gang mm. by Peter Golenbach. just reminds me of a bygone era. It's not. It's about cars, and it's about people, but it's also about what it was like to, you know, grow up in America and, you know, have your life revolve around cars. Just, you'll, you'll be happy, mad, sad, cry, the whole deal, both <laughs> books. And also, I should say, always uh, don't forget to get into the book of Proverbs for uh, how we should conduct ourselves. Ah, yes, there you go. Perfect. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources on David's show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Just go to com 
Type in David Helmer, H-E-L-M-E-R. You'll find links to everything he shared. There's another great place on the Cars Yeah website called Guest Recommended Books, where these books and all the past 814 guest books are recommended. I've made it really easy for you. It's a great resource under the Resources tab, Guest Recommended Books. It's quick, easy clicks to buy. All right, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question could be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you any very cool collector card today, David. I'm going to raise my bidding panel high. I'm not going to put it down until I get what you want. So what would that car be? And more importantly, why? Okay. Well, I absolutely would want a vintage uh, racing car, probably from NASCAR. I like, uh, I love Bobby Elson. He raced uh, for Bud Moore a couple of different times. And early in his career, he raced the early, um, Mercury Cyclones. A little bit later, he had the Mercury Cougars. Maybe one of those cars. And the reason is, you know, those cars, they're just gone off the face of the earth. Yeah. I mean, there just wasn't a market to keep them. There was no gap where somebody said, these are really cool. Uh, let's just let's just keep this in the barn, and hopefully one day we'll have something neat. Uh, just to have a memory of a bygone era. And I always love, there's very few vintage race cars out there that came off the track. Because when you see them restored, they look nice. Mm -hmm. They probably looked a lot nicer than they did when they raced them. I want one that looks like it came right off the track. Ah, wouldn't that be fun? Well, I'll get to work for you on that. That's going to be a little (laughs) bit of a challenge, but I think that'll be kind of fun. That'd be be pretty cool, especially since you're a NASCAR fan. Wouldn't that be a fun car to have and take to the track and, uh, yeah, do some laps? Wow. Very, very cool. Well, You've taken us on an awesome ride today, David. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed your stories and learning more about you. And I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with Kakar's Yao audience. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you rip off down the track in that vintage NASCAR Mercury, driven by Allison, of course? (laughs) Sure, absolutely. Well, G.K. Chesterton was a great writer and theologian, and he had a very cool quote and advice that I try to take to heart a little bit, and that is... Be your own person. He basically said that he listened to the very best advice that was out there, processed it, and often did the exact opposite. (laughs) Um, And that is, you know, you have to go to the beat of your own drum. You really do. In, In a world where it's really easy to follow the crowd, to do what everybody else is doing, you know, my goal is not to stand out to say, look at me, I'm different. That's not the goal at all. But the goal uh, to have success in business and joy in life is to, in America, is to go your own way and do what you think is best. That's what Cars Yeah is all about, and you're definitely walking your talk. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business and follow along with what you're doing? Well, we have a Facebook page, Um Our website, you can sign up for our email blast. We send them out. You'll probably get 30 or 40 year, a year. We cluster our auctions so you don't get bombarded. And, um, you know, I'm all over the place. I go to all the, a lot of the auction-related conventions, and I go to a lot of the old automotive place shows and things I can get to. So if, through Facebook is probably the best way to say hello. There you go. Well, listeners, again, you'll find links to everything that David has shared on his show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type Dave in the search bar. All those links will be there. I encourage you to check out what he's up to. And if you're a vintage motorcycle fan, you've got something to look forward to here in the fall with this incredible collection that he's going to be helping the family liquidate. Very, very cool. Hey, before I let you go, David, can I get a little uh, ziggity ziggity auctioneer talk from you? Oh, sure. If I was in your audience and I was putting my paddle up to bid on that uh, NASCAR uh, what would I expect to hear come out of your mouth? All right, ladies and gentlemen, auction's on. You tell me you're to give 10000 I get Tamara to give 11 to 12 to 15 20 And 25 would have been to 30000 35 would have been to 40 And 40 would have been 40000 now, half now. 60000 70000 would have given 80000 $80,000 would have been 80000 
We sold it seventy thousand dollars. It's going to Mark Green at Cars. Yeah, so uh, yeah. <laughs> very cool, very cool. I don't know how you guys do that. I can't talk that ziggity ziggity talk. My tongue gets all twisted up and I swallow it down my throat. So excellent job. Thanks for doing that, David, and thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yeah listeners. Until you and I talk again, or I see you at the auction, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Cars Yeah, for having me on, and I will see you down the road. All right. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to carsyeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!